Hello and welcome to the Football Around the World podcast. I'm joined by my good friend and co-host Christian. Christian, what do you think of the past two days? Some some good football played around the world. Uh, mostly just in the Premier League, actually, and the Copa del Rey. So not really around the world. Mostly in England, but some exciting games, and we're gonna talk about it. First, starting with Wolves versus Huddersfield. It was a surprise result for Huddersfield as they played at home against Wolves. Doherty had a good chance to put Wolves ahead in the 25th minute of the game. After some nice work to put the ball in the box from Jota, uh, Doherty just couldn't finish the chance. Mounier had the best chance of the game for Huddersfield uh, when the ball was put in from 40 yards out, but he just couldn't get the header on target, and he just skied it over the crossbar, basically. Uh, Wolves looked the more dangerous side between the two teams throughout the game, but it just wasn't to be for them. Uh, Huddersfield took the lead in the last minute of the game. Uh, after a cross that Bully uh, nicked away, uh, the ball came to Huddersfield player, who toe-poked it towards goal. Rui Patricio got a touch to it, but it just stayed in the danger area. Amunier, who was laying on the ground, um, just took a swing at it and put it in the goal with like nobody there to try to take it out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a pretty exciting game in terms of being a Wolfsand. Like They played a decent game, it's just they r- really just could not finish their chances. And then Huddersfield just got really lucky at the end uh, with just how the ball bounced. And uh, they ended up winning 1-0. Fans were super excited. Manager was super excited. It was uh, basically just scenes around the field, around the stadium, I guess, for Huddersfield. So, yeah. Uh, the next game we got is Cardiff versus Everton. Jose, you want to take over with that? Yeah, we um, both of us didn't really catch the game, but just Cardiff lost 3-0. Um, just like a continuing in bad form. You know, they were coming in pretty good form before the past two weeks. Um, two goals from Sigerson, which is nice to see. Sigerson hasn't really been on the score sheet too much recently or doing much overall. Yeah, especially and, for the price tag. Yeah, he's, he's supposed to be a really good player. And he has been a good player before, which kind of surprised me. He just he hasn't really, really lived up to the price tag, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Cover the win, score in the third. Newcastle beat Burnley 2-0. Another good game for the Newcastle side. The score opened up with an absolute beauty from Shar setting it to the top right corner of the net. Amron, again, had a very good game, just not clinical enough to finish his chances with goals. Amron found Richie the left side of the field. Richie then proceeded to whip the ball into the area until it bounced around, until it found Longstaff, who made no mistake, and blasted into the goal, making it 2-0 and sitting the win for Newcastle. Newcastle looking very rejuvenated. What do you think? Um, I think Amron has a lot to do with it. He's brought a different style to the club or just a different kind of flair to the club. You th- so you think the manager's trying to play, like around him, like, focus the team, like, around on Miron. Well, yeah, you kind of have to with the money they spend on him. Alright, anyway, we're going to move on from the Newcastle game on to Leicester versus Brighton, 2-1. Adam Sandler was a temporary manager for this game, and it was a home game for Leicester. Uh, meanwhile, Brendan Rodgers is going to be taking over fully in the next game. The first goal came in the ninth minute when Yuri Tielemans dragged both Brighton defenders to leave Damari Gray open for a 1v1 chance, which he buried, no doubt about it. Glenn Murray missed a few sitters throughout the game, the biggest chance coming after halftime. Gross had a nice back heel uh, to bring the ball back from the touchline of the six-yard box, which Glenn Murray then went for power instead of precision, and he skied it over the crossbar. Um, Lester doubled their lead via Jamie Vardy, who drilled the shot low and hard past Matt Ryan, and uh, Proper just brought one back for Brighton. Uh, towards the end of the game, but it just wasn't enough on the day. Did you watch the game? Um, I caught some highlights of the game. Didn't really watch the whole game, though. What did you think of, of Leicester? you think they're going to be on the up with Brendan Rodgers, or do you think they were better off like with Claude Puel? They just made the wrong decision? or? I mean, I feel like this is just the same old Leicester I've been seeing for the past weeks, just that this time they actually got the result. So. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. I just feel like Brendan Rodgers, they can maybe... Mm-hmm. He could maybe bring a little bit more, more flair maybe, uh, to the Leicester side. But I don't know. We'll see. I just don't, I just don't understand what Leicester fans are expecting, or what what are their expectations for Brendan Rodgers? Uh, probably just to keep finishing within the top ten at least, cause like it, there's no doubt about it that they're gonna finish, um, out of the relegation zone for the next seasons to come, just mm-hmm. because of the the title winning, uh. The title that they won in 2015-16, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And so that brought a lot of income, especially Riyad Mahrez leaving or whatever. That's more income. So I don't think they're going to be near the relegation zone anytime soon. So I don't really see what the point of sacking their manager was when 
in reality, their chances to get top six or European spots is probably not there within the next year. Maybe two, but within the next year, I don't think their chances of getting into Europe are there. I mean, if they sack them that for that reason, then I understand. But if they're just, I don't know, they should kind of just cruise around like the the mid table. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I just think just sacking the manager at that point at this point mid season was just kind of like a dumb idea. They should have waited till the end, especially Brendan Rodgers leaving Celtic. Cause a lot of fans were not really happy with that. Yeah, it's a little. I don't know. It's, it's pretty harsh to the Celtic fans. That's what I think. But yeah. Anyway. You gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, the next game Wednesday. Uh, we got Southampton. Two versus Fulham. Jose, you want to glance over that real quick? Yeah, just... We didn't really catch the game, but Southampton basically just gave Fulham the death sentence into the championship is what I feel like this is. You think um, Fulham's going down for sure then? Yeah, I think Fulham and Huddersfield are for sure, for, for sure. For sure. Okay. Um, I think maybe looking at the table... Nah, uh, Fulham's we, done. Fulham yeah. had to win this game because Southampton's one of those lingering teams there. So we got Huddersfield on fourteen points with fourteen points, sorry, at the bottom of the table. Nineteenth, uh Fulham with seventeen, and then eighteenth is Cardiff with twenty five. So yeah, I do agree with you. Didn't look at the table before now. But looking at it now, Fulham are going down for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's just really looking at who's gonna be third to go with either Cardiff, Southampton, Brighton, and then possibly Burnley if they somehow choke it. But, um, yeah, it's really just those teams that are more likely to go down. They really had to win this game because if they would have beat Southampton, it would have pushed Southampton kind of lower. But yeah, back down a little bit. Yeah, so. Yeah, it was do or die. Looks like they're going down, though. Which I think, like I said before in previous podcasts, like I think it'll be better for them if they do go down. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But, Bernier uh, um, did get sacked. Ranieri. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what didn't that happen today? Yeah, we just got the news before the podcast, before we started recording. And then, who was the guy that, I don't know who they appointed. I think it's, I don't know if, I don't know if he's like from the club or maybe he's just like a different guy. Not, not completely sure though. Yeah, I think, um, from what I read, it was like some guy that used to like play for Chelsea, I guess. I don't know. But, um, as we move on to more important games, ones that are probably more exciting. Wow. Arsenal 5, oh, Bournemouth 1. My. Arsenal cruised past Bournemouth with a scoreline of 5-1. to one. Ozil began the goals with a chip over the goalie in the fourth minute of the game after Kolasinac threw ball. Uh, Ryan Fraser, one of Bournemouth's best players this season, had a breakthrough when the left back played a nice ball that broke through the Arsenal defense. But Leno came up big and saved the 1v1 chance shortly after the first goal. Um, in the 27th minute, though, Ozil grabbed an assist after a 1-2 with Mkhitaryan. Uh, which he stole from a really bad like pass across the field. And he put it into an empty net. Uh, Bournemouth didn't really look that good this game. Uh, but they did look better like as the game went on. Like They, they started really slow, but they, they picked up a little bit of speed. Um, they got their goal in the 30th minute uh, when Ganduzi was playing with the ball around the back, and he just got it stolen and was looking for the foul. But referee said, uh, keep playing, and basically... Um, they just tapped it in and just passed Leno. Super mm-hmm. easy. Bournemouth were maybe looking to come back a little bit. Uh, but that did not happen because the Coles kept coming with Koscielny, Aubameyang, and Alexander Lacazette with a beautiful free kick uh, also getting on the score sheet. Arsenal's defense looked much better with Koscielny and Socrates uh, in the back. And in my opinion, uh, I think if this four keeps staying up and like this amount of goals and we do beat Spurs on the weekend... Um, Possibility yeah, for top four. Do. Top, possibility for top four is up there, but um, I mean, five goals against a team who has lost their last eight games in the Premier League is not really something. Or it's something to be proud of, but it's not really like something to be excited for and like to brag about, you know. Yeah. But yeah, Bournemouth not really in a good uh run of form right now. Hopefully Arsenal, uh, they are picking up form actually, so hopefully they can keep it up against Spurs on the weekend. But I don't know. We'll see. Ozil got the nod to start. And uh, he's, like, proving his worth, I guess you could say. And, like, why uh, Emery should start him more. But uh, next game we got is Man United 3, Crystal Palace 1. Um, after Palace ran away with it against Leicester, they had to go up against the rejuvenated Man United side who had drawn against the league leaders on the weekend. Uh, the game started off with Lukaku missing an easy chance off of a corner, but his volley had just went over the crossbar. 
He made it up for it, though, in the 33rd minute when he finally got the goal that he's been waiting for after nine games without a goal. Shaw made a run from the sideline into the box and had three players surrounding him, and all he had to do was dish it back to Lukaku as he caressed the ball in the far post past the uh, Palace goalie. Um, after the break, uh, Lukaku netted another one off of a corner delivered by Ashley Young. The ball bounced around and ended up within the six-yard box, and Lukaku just volleyed it over the goalie into an empty net. Uh, Crystal Palace looked to get one back at uh, and get back into the game with a goal from Ward after a couple of passes around the Man United defense. Good goal. It was a really nice goal. It was a it was a diving header as well, and uh, the game basically was buried after Ashley Young uh, just had a, the, the ball passed to him from Pogba. He just kind of dinked it around the the left back, mm-hmm. and then Ashley Young was really right next to the goalie and just kind of smashed it past him. Um, but yeah, that's how that game ended. Uh, Man United still, I believe, undefeated in the Premier League, right? Undefeated? Yes. Since Solskjaer? Yes, yeah, since Solskjaer. I believe they're they're still undefeated. Yeah, they've they've just tied against. Yeah. Like they tied against Burnley, but. And yeah, Liverpool, haven't lost yet. So. Yeah, they're still undefeated in the league, uh, with Solskjaer uh managing. So pretty good for them. Pretty good result. And uh, on to the next one, your favorite team, Liverpool versus Watford. You want to go over that real quick? Yeah, really good convincing win from Liverpool. Mane and Alexander Arnold connecting multiple times. Two times, actually, were two goals. So that was also very dangerous the whole entire game, and Watford should be grateful that he didn't punish him with a goal. Virgil van Dijk two goals from set pieces, and Origi scoring a driven low shot in front of three Watford defenders. Big takeaway from this game is that Lat is still a very dangerous player, even though many people are kind of discrediting him, discrediting him lately. So the Mane is a very good overlooked threat on this team how good it feels to have Trent back in good form. Yeah, Trent got me a lot of fantasy points um, you. this game week, so I'm pretty happy. But I think you're you're ahead of me in terms of fantasy, I believe. Like a couple points, but I don't know. 19 points. That's basically the way I, I see this right now. It's just like a who, who will get more fantasy points at this point. That's the usual for Liverpool against small teams, so. Yeah, which should be happening if they want to win the league. So this, mm-hmm. is, this should be... A for sure confirmed result mm-hmm. every game against small teams for Liverpool mm-hmm. if they want to win the league. And then the next team that's on Liverpool's tail, Man City versus West Ham. Man City opened up the game with a typical Man City play. A couple of touches outside the area and the defense opened up and let Kevin De Bruyne fizz a ball across the box. David Silva got a touch on the ball, but it hit the post and away from goal. Uh... Kevin De Bruyne looked like his old self again as he's trying to get back into form. He's looking more fit. He's looking a lot better. Um, but West Ham had a really good chance when Lanzini drove into the penalty area and found Andy Carroll at the far post, who had a 1v1 chance against Ederson, but it was on the volley. So he basically just got the volley off, but Ederson was there in his position uh, to get the save. Aguero got the only goal of the game from the penalty spot. The penalty was caused by Felipe Anderson, who brought down Bernardo Silva, which to me looked like a really soft challenge and a harsh call from the referee. Mm-hmm. But I can see why in that instance with Novar, uh, why he would call it a penalty because Bernardo Silva just kind of had his uh, his like leg, like lagging behind him, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Felipe Anderson wasn't really lo- he came in from behind. And he wasn't really looking for the ball. He was just kind of getting his legs in between to just kind of like mess him up. I mean, in real time, it lo- it, I can it, see it looks worse call it. in real time. Yeah, it, like. It's really not that bad mm-hmm. of a of a penalty. It's a it's a soft pen, soft call in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Aguero basically just went, sent the keeper the wrong way, and uh, towards the end of the game, City had a chance to put the game to bed uh, with chaos in the box as Sterling took a shot, which Fabianski saved, but he still left the ball in the danger area, and it bounced to David Silva, who had a shot cleared off the line from three yards away. So they were really close to getting two 0 up, but the game ended one zero. Uh, in favor of the citizens. Did you catch the Man City West Ham? Didn't really catch it. It was during the Spurs Chelsea game, which we'll talk about next, which uh, was the game I was more interested in. Yeah, there were there were a lot better games uh that went on, I guess, on the day. So I didn't really catch too many of the Premier League games. I was watching the Real Madrid Barcelona. You were watching Chelsea Spurs. Mm-hmm. All right, so if you want to go over Chelsea Spurs right now, that'd be perfect time. Yeah, so the, probably the biggest game of the Premier League game week. Um, Chelsea took in charge in the beginning and just never really let off the steam. Kovacic almost scoring a goal in the fifth minute. It wasn't for the post, bouncing the ball out. Um, Yuris, kind of like the 30th minute, um, gave a pretty bad pass to no one. Uh, Chelsea player found it, 
dished it to Hazard. Hazard kicked it back to Iwain. Iwain tried finessing it in, but nothing really happened. Um, the best shot Spurs had all game was probably Harry Winks hitting the crossbar. But other than that, they didn't really do too much. In the 55th minute, Pedro eventually cut in and beat Alderweireld and placed the ball through the middle of the French goalkeeper's legs to make it 1-0 to the Blues. And after that, a few more chances for Spurs came up, but nothing really. And Trippier and Urias, we kind of all know about this now. Yeah, I saw that goal. Um, do you think it was Trippier's fault, Urias' fault? I think it's Urias' fault, and let me tell you why, right? So Trippier, um, as he's, like, he can feel the pressure coming to him, you know? Like, okay. he, he feels, like, the attacker coming onto him. Mm-hmm. So obviously the first thing he's thinking about is getting really good contact on the ball so it can be a soft pass back to his goalie. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't, like, mess it up and, like, make it all bouncy. Um, so he's looking directly at the ball to make sure that he's going to make the good amount of contact, the right contact, mm-hmm. so he can get it back to Yoris. Where I think Yoris messed up is he didn't call for the ball. He just came running, hoping that Trippier would see him. But the thing was, he had his eye on the ball, which I guess I can see why people blame Trippier, mm-hmm. like, rather than Yoris. But in my opinion, Yoris should be calling for it. And uh, either way, I feel like he should just, like, go for it. And, and that's where, the, like, the lack of communication happens, and that's why the, some stupid goal like that, like, ends up going in the back of the net. And that's really, really bad for Spurs at this point because they want to keep their third-place spot and uh, secure their Champions League spot for next season. But now a lot of people are saying, will Spurs finish top four even then? Nah, they will. I think they'll finish top four. Definitely. But, but now the thing is, will they will they be in third or fourth? Like, that's a big question, and mm-hmm. who's going to end up being in the top four with them? Arsenal, Chelsea, or Man United? Nobody knows. That's a lot of discussion. But, uh, yeah, Chelsea, um, I didn't watch the game, so I don't know how well they did. I don't know if Beller did pretty good or if it was just like a, like against the run of play kind of goal. Like, who looked better? Who, in your opinion, looked better between the two teams? I think Chelsea, honestly, like, if you didn't, if you didn't know what the score was, you would, you would tell that Chelsea was the better squad. And I think Chelsea was a better squad throughout the whole game. Just Harry Winks hitting the crossbar that one time, like I told you. Um, Willie Caballero looking very good. Wayne showing some sparks of, you know, light, but not too much. Got subbed off for Drew. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And then I just, I honestly think it's Shippier's fault. You think it's Shippier's fault? I just don't understand. Okay. I understand, like, you saying Yoris, yeah, like, he didn't come for the ball. Like, yeah, you should, you should be calling for the ball. Yeah. But Trippier sent that, I don't know, was that a pass or who was that to? Yeah, I mean, like, like... placed to the right of the net. Okay, so the way I see it is, like, okay, let's say, let's say Yoris is in position, like, towards his goal, right? Like, he never came for it. Okay. And the ball's coming. It's a bad pass from Trippier because... It's on Yoris's right foot, which Yoris is left-footed, if mm-hmm. you didn't know that. Uh, Yoris is left-footed, so if you're a defender, you want to put it on your keeper's preferred leg or preferred foot in order for him to clear it well and not just like a scrappy clearance. Um, but he, he put it on like the right side, I guess, of Yoris if he would have been there. So it would have been like a bad pass, but it still would have been enough time for Yoris to get it on his left foot and like clear it wide. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, I think it would have been a bad pass, but it would have been good enough for Yoris to have time to clear the ball if he didn't come. So that's why I blame it on Yoris mm-hmm. rather than Trippier, but I don't know. It's all opinions. It's the way I see it. Alright, and I think the biggest game of Wednesday, uh, Copa del Rey semifinal, Real Madrid versus Barcelona. Barcelona being 3-0 victors, 4-1 on aggregate at the Santiago Bernabeu. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Basically, just Suarez showed up. Messi didn't really do much throughout the game. I watched the whole game. Um, and basically, it was just Vinicius and uh, the one really young, oh, Reguilon. There you Reguilon. go. Yeah, that's the name. Well, Vinicius and Reguilon just basically did a lot of like the hard work on the left side. Every attack and every chance for Real Madrid came through that left side with Vinicius being like the, the main, I guess, the main man on the day. Him and Benzema linked up pretty well. Benzema looked really good. I was watching the game, and a lot of Real fans were not happy with Benzema and how he's been playing. But that game made me realize how much a better striker Benzema looks without Ronaldo. No, no, no. And let me tell you why, right? So when I was looking at Benzema, Benzema was doing so many runs. And this is coming from a Barca fan, too. Benzema was doing so many runs off the ball and just, like, trying to do the quick interplays, like, chances between the defense at the edge of the box and was just trying to get something to pop off really quick and, like, just trying to get a shot off whenever he could. 
And so, in my opinion, from a striker, he was being really energetic, really dynamic, trying to create chances, like, on his own with, like, little one-twos that he was having with mm-hmm. whoever was nearby. So he looked like a really good striker on the day. Um, he looked like he deserves to be the Real number 9 from that game, at least from that performance, I'm saying, like, just in the game. It looks like he deserved to be, like, the starting striker. But, um, yeah, he had, a, he had a really good game. Vinicius had an even better game, just basically tearing up Nelson Smedu the whole game. And Pique as well. Like, he dropped Pique a few times. Oh, dropped, he dropped Pique. Yeah, yeah he one. dropped Pique really bad. He just had him. He basically just sent him to the shop and just said, yo, I need some. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Smedu had a really hard time with him. But uh, what I was seeing on social media was that a lot of people were saying that, like, Barcelona and Real Madrid had kind of switched roles in the game. Like, typically, Barcelona have most chances and have most of the possession. Mm-hmm. But sometimes Real Madrid will just have the counterattacks or will just have the chances, the couple chances, and score and win the game. And that's what Barca did to Real Madrid. Yeah. Real Madrid had most, most possession, had the most chances, the most clear chances especially, because Vinicius and Benzema both missed sitters that they probably should have scored. And um, the thing was just Barca just were super clinical with their chances, had three shots on target, three goals, uh, all three coming from Luis Suarez, bagging his hat-trick against Real Madrid at the Santiago Bernabeu. Basically, he's Real Madrid's worst nightmare playing uh, away against them. Navas prob- probably going to be having nightmares for like the next couple of days, especially after that chip penalty. Did you watch the game? Uh, I, I caught moments of it when the Spurs game got kind of dull. Um, Vinicius, I guess, he's a really hyped player out for Real Madrid. Um, I don't know, he still doesn't really convince me. I just think he needs to get better at his finishing. I, I, it's kind of what holds him back, in my opinion. He has, yeah, he has really good dribbling skills. He's very dynamic on the ball. He can put it on his left or his right. It doesn't matter. He can dribble through players, or he can take them on, push them to the side, and then just whip one in uh, for, like, Benzema or whoever. But, um, yeah, I just think his finishing needs a little bit of work. I do still think he is not better than Mbappe, for those yeah, people like... who are hyping him up that much. <laughs> Mbappe is ten times better than Vinicius. Easily. At this point in time, right now. Vinicius, I can see him getting up there in, like, I guess the next Messi-Ronaldo. Obviously not on the same tier, but I'm saying, like, the next conversation of uh, player versus player in terms of stats and stuff. Mm -hmm. I can see it being Mbappe-Vinicius, but I don't know. Time will tell. Everyone thought Neymar was going to be as good as Messi-Ronaldo in terms of, like, he hasn't really lived to the hype. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Barcelona just absolutely destroying, even though... Uh, the scoreline or the scoreline shows that Barcelona, like Destroyed. looks like they dominated. Yeah. But they really didn't. They the, just. just needs just needs new players. All they on. they just made the best out of their chances, in my opinion. Ramon just needs to restart this whole squad. I think, Solari. I don't really know how I feel with him, cause I mean like he's brought him on the up again. But I mean, is it really that hard to bring Real Madrid on the up when they're they have like superstar players? You know, like Sergio Ramos, Carvajal, Courtois. I guess if you want to put him there. Um, Bale, Benzema, Vinicius. Like, their star man right now is Vinicius. Mm-hmm. Like, are you're relying on an 18-year-old Brazilian. Like, I know, like, he's really good. He's really talented. Like, yeah. he's up there. But if you're relying on this man to cover for you, for Cristiano Ronaldo, like, that, like you need to find another source of, of goals, you yeah. know? Goals, chances, anything. Like, he's benching Gareth Bale for Lucas Vazquez, who on his day, in my opinion, Lucas Vazquez at his best, is not better than Bale at his worst. Because Gareth Bale has a lot of talent. He He's really good, except the thing is he's just not given the chances right now. I think so. he just fits into his plans more. That's what I feel like. That's probably why he benches him. Yeah, but I just feel like Gareth Bale overall, like if you just let him play, he'll play for you. Like He'll he'll do the, the, the hard work. He'll run everywhere. He'll like drive at the defense and just score goals. That's oh. what he does best. Bale's just too inconsistent, in my opinion. Like He's injury-prone, that's the thing. Like, he'll have his amazing games like the one he had against Liverpool, sadly. Yeah. Um, Champions League final. But then he'll have his, like, low games against, like, some Hironas and stuff like that, so. Yeah, I don't know. I think Bale, for, like, to for his career to expand, I guess, and to just keep moving forward, I think he's going to have to leave Real Madrid in, in the next year, or at least the summer. To, like, what league would you, would you want him in? Well, obviously the Premier League. Dude cannot speak Spanish whatsoever, so he's not going to another Spanish side. Yeah. If he doesn't want to learn Spanish within, like, the, what, five years that he's been there, he's obviously not going to want to learn Italian or French. Mm-hmm. His best interest is probably just going to be moving back to the Premier League. And what do you think would sign him? 
Uh, I would have said Chelsea, but Chelsea, you know. Oh, yeah, I would have said, maybe with, like, the transfer ban, Chelsea aren't going to be able to. I think the most likely side, if somehow Spurs scrap up the money, goes back to Spurs, mm. links up with Harry Kane, that'd be really nice to see. Oh, I don't want that. You wouldn't want that? Oh, Why is that? It costs them too much money. Yeah, I know. That'd probably be their only signing for, like, the whole season, though, too. Season? Yeah, because if they oh, can't... Not season. Five, should... That's, like, five seasons worth. Five seasons for, for Tottenham, yes. Yeah, I guess, but I don't know. I just think it's either that or Man United. I mean, Liverpool has the budget too, but I, I don't want him honestly. I don't think Gareth Bale will go to Liverpool because yeah. he he just ended up being like Shakiri or when or whenever Salah needs a rest, he would just basically be a rotation player. Yeah, which is what he is right now at Real Madrid, or he's right. just like a sub player. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he doesn't want that. Yeah, so for like the int- for the best interest like for his like career or whatever, Man, I think Man United. Yeah, it'd probably be the most likely target. Like, the place that he'd be going to. Because they have the money, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, if Romelu Lukaku doesn't really do that well, could you see them selling him for Gareth Bale? Mm. I think Lukaku's there to stay for a little bit longer. Honestly, I, I'd do the switch. The switch? Don't, don't, like, okay. Take more money for Bale. Like, okay. It's like, if I'm real, I'd switch Bale for Lukaku and give me, like, 30 mil. So, I think, what did Lukaku go for? Like, 60? Yeah, 60, Lukaku 70? was a lot. So, and How do you think Bale's worth? Oh, Bale's worth right now? Yes. With injuries and all that, I'd say he's, like, worth, like, 70. Okay, well, okay. how much did you tell me yesterday that Ozil was worth? Uh, I think I said 50, 60. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think, I think Ozil's worth that much. Like I think he max. still has, I think he still has gas in his tank. I think he still has... I think you're things to prove uh, why he's the best playmaker in the world I don't know that's my opinion though um, maybe that could be part of the hot takes next week but moving on to hot takes uh, we got the first one Alexander Arnold is the best right back in the league Premier League that is Jose what do you think about that as a Liverpool fan I mean I agree I just think this hot takes only being brought up because of his amazing performance against Watford but Which Watford five nil like everyone if if your team won five nil I'm sure everyone on the team was gonna have a really good performance like yeah. regardless you know mm-hmm. anyway uh, I just think Alexander Arnold I think he's top three right backs in the league for sure uh but I think the best one in the league in terms of like overall like how they attack how they defend and all that I think I'd probably give it to Kyle Walker why is that because he's been pretty good with with Man City like over this the past few seasons um. This season, he hasn't really, like, I guess, shined as much as he did last season. But, I mean, he's still, like, up there. With, like, best in the league. And, like, on his day, I think he's better than Alexander-Arnold. Are you talking about right now? Or are you talking about all time? Or what? Like, best right back in the world. Or not, not in the world, sorry, in the league? Yes. You're saying Alexander-Arnold is the best right back. Right now? Yes. No. You just said that Kyle Walker's been I'm good. I'm saying Kyle Walker's not his best, but I'm saying he's still better than Alexander-Arnold. I don't know. That's I don't know reach. how you can see that That's like, a reach. any different. It's a reach. I don't know. Alexander Arnold, like I said before, five 0 against Watford isn't that special. Like the whole team's gonna perform, you know. Okay. So I just think, I don't know. That's opinions. Kyle Walker better than Alexander Arnold. That's what I think. You think the other way? I don't know. Just opinions. All right. Anyway, the next one we got is Chelsea's best player is Engolo Kanté. What do you think about that? Best player or most important or best player? Um, Eden Hazard. You think Eden Hazard is better? Correct. All right. So if you're saying, um, if you had to pick one of the two to go, who would you pick? Like if you're a Chelsea manager, and I'm you pick one of the two. I'd pick Kanté. That's because that's because he's important. I don't no, know I'm saying to leave the club. Like, oh, who, who would you let? Yeah, yeah. Like, you need you need space. And you know, Engolo Kante, like, if you saw him on the market, he's going to go for a lot. Same thing with Hazard, though. So, who would you sell? And it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter like, who I would it's sell going Hazard. to. You would sell Hazard? Yes. Why? Like, what Kante does in the world, like, it, I don't think it can be replaced. So... What Kante does, I don't think anyone else can do as good as him. So, would you say that, uh... So why isn't Kante the best Hazard, okay. player on Hazard's the team? Okay, Hazard's very though? good, but he's replaceable. 
So why is Kante not the best player in Chelsea? I mean, I don't know how to explain this. Okay, w- yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, the way All I right, see I'll take it, Kante then. The, right. the way I see it, Kante is the best player. Not even a hot take though. What How's at Chelsea? Kante best player at Chelsea. Because a lot of people would think Hazard. Because he has a lot to give as an attacker. Man, I don't know. But in my opinion, what Kante does for the team, like you said, is no one else can like replicate that in the world right now. Yeah. I think nobody can give as much effort and like heart like into the game as Ingolo Kante. So I'm, he's the best defensive mid in the world for me when he plays defensively and not in some stupid attacking mid position that sorry puts him in sometimes. But I think he's the best player. I agree with this hot take. Okay. I think Kante is the best player at Chelsea. And I do think Hazard is really good too. But he'll have his like inconsistencies. And like sometimes we'll perform, sometimes we won't. You never know what you're going to get out of Hazard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like when he's on good form, you already know he's going to bag a goal or two against yeah. like Arsenal or something. I don't know. Because like he always scores against them. But like sometimes he'll just have this like run where he, he just won't really score, won't really assist. He'll look threatening, but he won't really do much throughout the game just because he doesn't really have anyone to to bounce off of at Chelsea. All so, right, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, I think Kante is the best player at Chelsea. All right, next one we got is Solari is ruining Real Madrid. I disagree with this one. We already briefly talked about this. Why do you disagree? I mean, they, this hot take makes it seem like it's Solari's sole fault when I feel like Ronaldo indirectly kind of ruined Real Madrid in my opinion. Why do you think that? Like, Ronaldo could just made this club fall apart, in my opinion. Oh, because, like, they it, it were was relying already, on It was already too? kind of falling apart. Before Ronaldo left, I think they were already kind of, like, in the downfall. Like, yeah, they still won the Champions League and yeah. et cetera, but they weren't the same Real Madrid, and I feel like Ronaldo left at the best time he could. Okay, so you're saying it's Ronaldo's fault as to why the club is, like, I guess going down, but why isn't it Zinedine Zidane's fault? For leaving too, because they left in the same Zidane season. Zidane knew what was going on. I feel like Zidane saw it too. So you think he left at like, the, before like the ship was sinking? Yeah, that's why I feel like Zidane gets way too much credit right now. People are like, "Oh, yeah, it's good Zidane's a manager," but it's just rare of managers nowadays leaving on a good note. So when one does leave on a good note like Zidane, leaving before the ship started to sink, yeah, um, they just look a lot better. And he, I think Zidane gets too much credit for what he did too. So, I don't... Back-to-back-to-back to to back Champions Leagues. You think that's too much credit for Zidane? That's too much credit. That's three Champions Leagues in a row. Never happened before. Okay, but Real Madrid... That, the team he had was good. Like, very good. Uh, okay, like... If he was a Premier League team, I don't think he can reproduce anything okay, like that. Okay, let me ask you a question. If they were so good, uh, why didn't they win a treble? If they were so good? Yeah, if they were so good, why couldn't they win a treble? Because Real Madrid doesn't do too good in what do you call it. Like, long, tr- I don't know how to explain it. Like, long leagues, I guess. They just do better in, like, these, like, short tournaments where, like, if they show up for one game, they do good. That's how I think. I mean, I'm pretty sure they won the league under Zidane one time. Once. Which, 38 games? That's in the long run. But I guess that's only once in three years. Which, yeah, which is not I don't very know. good for our standards, I guess. Um, my opinion on this... I think Solari, in terms of right now, how he's been managing, he's been okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he's had a good run of games where he's won a lot. They've been looking on the up right now. But in terms of, I think he's ruining, like, big star players' careers. I think that's what he's doing. Like, he's doing well as, like, manager. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's, like, playing the, the right players that he thinks are fit to play. He thinks that are fit for, like, the starting eleven. But, like, in terms of, like, Isco, Isco's not getting any game time. So, I can see him leaving soon. Gareth Bale, like we were talking about before, he should probably leave. Um, Marcelo. He's doing the right thing. I think he's just playing the better players. He's doing the right thing. So, I think, if anything, he's trying to bring Real up. Yeah. But not the way a lot of people want them. Want them to. Because they want the big name players, you know. Like, why was Marcelo benched against Barcelona? I don't know if he had an injury or anything prior to this. Mm-hmm. But I just know that... Uh, they had that that other left back that we were talking about before, but it's not it's not Marcelo, you know, playing it. Everyone would want to rather see Marcelo play because yeah. he's like a big name player. It's like, why did they sign um, what's his name, Mariano? Mm-hmm. It's like that wasn't Solari signing because he came in like mid season, but still like you, yeah, you don't you want big name players. You don't want Mariano wearing the number seven like trying to replace CR seven who mm-hmm. literally sits on the bench the whole time. 
and like doesn't really do anything. I don't know. I think Solari is can bring up Real Madrid and is bringing up Real Madrid, just not the way the fans or like I guess Perez and like other yeah like, media outlets. Want I think them a to. Fa- he's he's a factor for Real Madrid not doing too good, but I don't. The hot take Solari is ruining Real Madrid makes it seem like. He's, like, the, doing the majority. to. Really yeah, sometimes he just doesn't get the results, and that's just, like, a matter of bad tactics or, like, a bad lineup in general, or just, yeah. like, maybe his players just aren't good on the day, or just maybe just being unlucky. But I, I don't think he's ruining it. I think, if anything, he's almost bringing it up instead of ruining it. It's just okay. not the way people see. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, second last one we got is Chelsea is full of mid-table players who underperform with excellent managers. I didn't even read this one until now. I just saw it right now. I'll try to think real quick. What do you think? Just let me think. Um, I don't think they're full of mid-table players. I think they're full of players who have a lot of egos, and they just underperform, and just they just don't play up to standards. Because, like, I mean, Chelsea have had really good players, like, over the years, and in terms of, like, recently, they just haven't really done well, mm-hmm. starting with uh, Jose Mourinho, like, when they wanted him out or whatever, and when he got sacked. I think they just underperform just because, like, they they don't really like the manager. The ego gets to them. Like, we saw with Sari with, like, the whole Kepa situation. Yeah. I think the ego gets there. They don't like how the manager's doing things. And so they kind of get him on the way out. Like, in my opinion, I think Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte, and uh, Sari are all great managers. I just don't think the club gives them enough time to be able to settle. And they back their players more than they do managers. So, I, I don't know. I just think... I, I don't agree with this. I think Chelsea has high-tier players that are able to play at a high level. They do underperform sometimes, but I think sometimes it's also to just kind of get the manager out. But I think uh, Chelsea has had excellent managers over the years. I just don't think they are seen as great managers because they get the sack, because they are not given time, and they back the players instead of the managers. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I kind of do agree. They do have. I feel like they do have a lot of mid-table players. For me, like Barkley, who? even though I'm kind of Barkley like, has been really good this season, though. That's um, the thing. But he's like a mid-table player. But like, he's, I guess you could say he like. So is William has performed. Now. He's performed above what people expected of Ross Barkley. You know, like Ross Barkley at one point was like, oh, like star Englishman. You know, like next best thing. Yeah. But. Then that kind of went down as he got injured. He was coming back from injury. He was looking okay. But then, like, right now, he's been looking really good. He's been looking, like, I'm, I wouldn't say, like, the next best English player again because, mm-hmm. like, he's obviously not. But he's, like, still, like, going up in form, you know. And so I think he's outperforming what people expect. So I think he's mid-table. You Sorry. Think- so, you think Bayern are making a mistake with, like, attempting to sign him? I don't think they're making a mistake because I think they can develop him a lot more. I so, I think they'll actually give him playing time because they know that Ribery and Roman's time is coming up. All right, so you think, end. so, so far you're saying Hudson-Odoi, Willian, and Barkley are mid-table players that should be playing. Drink okay, water. We're, we're talking, okay, drink water, yeah, because he came from Leicester. He literally. Jorginho currently. Jorginho? Rieger's not that good either, honestly. Aspilicueta, really? honestly, I don't think Aspilicueta's that good either. Really? Yeah. I think Aspilicueta is really good. I just don't think. I think he, he just plays more comfortably at the center back position. I could see get by West Ham, so that's a mid-table player. So you're telling me all all these teams would fit into a side like Wolves, uh, Bournemouth, West Ham, Everton, yes. Newcastle. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I think Newcastle's not even mid-table. Kind of. And they're like, they're like, they're mid-table, but like, they're yeah, closer, they're that, closer that's to the definition. That's the definition of mid-table. They're no, for 13, me, mid, for they're me, mid-table 13 is like the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So 13 is no. That's literally seven positions no, away I mean, from relegation. No, that close to relegation, you're more of a relegation team. But I mean, in the table, there's still mid-table. Okay. Um, six, no, okay. Seven. To, okay, seven to 13. Let's do that. Okay. So that means you can see all these players that you just named. At either Wolves, Watford, Everton, West Ham, Leicester, Bournemouth, or Newcastle. And then Crystal Palace is right behind them, too. Yeah. So if you want to include Crystal Palace, is Zaha's a mid table player? Zaha's not a mid table player. 
Okay, then what's the definition of mid-table player then? I think a mid-table player is just like a someone who belongs in a mid-table team or yeah, what? who literally belongs. Because I don't think any of those players, or not any of those, but I think a majority of those players that you named do not belong on a team like that. I think Chelsea just needs to start spending money on the right players. They need a whole a whole. The, a lot of their team is aging too. That's the thing. Or not a lot. Pulisic was at a whole. I don't, yeah, th- I don't think we're talking about this podcast yet, have we? Yeah. Have we? The whole Pulisic signing? The Pulisic thing? I think we did before, didn't we? Yeah, I, don't I don't know. I don't know remember. Anymore. It was too long ago. But, I don't know. I just think they're not deserved to be mid-table. Like, I think Chelsea's fine for those players. Other than, like, maybe, like, drink water. Because I, th- I don't think drink water even... Drink water wanted to go to Chelsea, but I don't think Antonio Conte actually even wanted drink water. That was the whole thing. Like, they just signed him without him even knowing... I mean, it's fine for the for the players, but I don't think it's fine for the club. That's my issue. And I'm assuming they get paid more than they deserve. A majority of them deserve, yeah. at least. So, I don't know. I think they have the capability. The players are of high quality, but I just think they're not playing up to standards. I do mm-hmm. say they're underperforming, and they do have excellent managers that have just been unfortunate enough to get the sack. But underperformances from the players is just what really gets them. Yeah. All right. And uh, we got our final hot take. Harry Kane is only considered world-class because he's English. What do you think about that? I disagree. I don't... I don't even... What's the, what's the argument for this? Is that they're saying, like, Harry Kane is literally only... It's literally what the hot take is. He's only considered world-class and good at being a striker because he is English and the English media hypes him up. And English fans hype him up just because he is solely English. Like, if he would have been, like, uh, like you know how Aguero has never been in, like, the, the what is it called, team of the year for the Premier League? Yeah. He's never been in there, like, at all. And he, I can assure you he's been the best striker in the league, especially when, um, what is it called? He scored, like, 20-some goals this season. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember when it was. But basically, they just have snubbed him. And I think... A majority of the time it was because he's not English or because like he's not he's foreign and so I guess what whoever said this is trying to say is that Harry Kane is only hyped up because he's English like if he would have been like Argentinian or I don't know maybe if he was Brazilian maybe he'd get like as much hype but if he would have been like I don't know Costa Rican or from some random country like Denmark like if he would have been from Denmark you think he would have got as much hype as he gets right now I mean, I think he does. He, I think he does get hyped up a lot more because he's English. Um, that's true, but I don't think that. I still think he's world class. So, so he's you think still world class? So you think, uh, setting aside the fact that he's English, you don't think that he, um, other people only think that he's good just because he's English, or do you think that him being a striker that's good enough is is like just enough reason for him, him being to be a striker considered is good? good enough? I, I agree with that. I, but I do think, like uh, I was saying before, like a lot of the English media just really hype up Harry Kane. Like, we're, we're talking about another hot take that we could have uh, inserted. Yeah. Saying, like, uh, Rashford, Kane, and uh, who was the last one? Sterling. Sterling. Which we're, like, the best front three in in Europe in terms of international-wise. So, country-wise, uh, they're the best front three. But I was saying, Belgium's front three are better. And... France's front three are better. France is not better, but... I, I think France are better, but... I don't know. I just think Harry Kane does get the hype because he's English, but I do think he does back it up with his goals. Mm-hmm. But he's super hyped by the English media. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's all we got for hot takes. On to the next segment. We got what to watch. Jose, you want to glance over that really quick? Yeah, it's Friday. Just a big game for the Bundesliga for the title race. We got Borussia Dortmund versus Augsburg. Augsburg gave Bayern Munich a little bit of trouble last time they faced each other off. So they're fifteenth in the league currently with eighteen points. They're looking like they're getting they're they're right above the relegation zone, two points ahead of uh, Stuttgart, and um, they're probably just gonna want to get out of that that relegation area. I guess you could say like the danger area. So maybe if Augsburg upsets Borussia Dortmund, um, they can help out Bayern a little bit and themselves at the same time. Yeah, so this game is pretty big for both teams, just for different, for completely two different reasons. So it should be a good game. We'll see what happens. And then Saturday, we got Premier League. We have the big game, Arsenal versus Spurs. 
the North London Derby at 6.30 a.m. Central Time. So I'm going to have to wake up pretty early for that Come one. Come on, you Gunners. We got this. Um, Spurs coming off a pretty bad loss to Chelsea. While Arsenal came off a pretty good win against Bournemouth. So, what do you think? Honestly. What do you think I think? I don't know. What do you think I think from this, Jose? Tell I me. Know, I don't even know what I want to think. I think Arsenal are going to are gonna beat them. Because I think what happened um in the FA Cup, or no, was it FA Cup or League Cup? FA Cup, right? The, the one where they lost? Yeah, the where they lost the Spurs. There's the League Cup. Was that the League Cup? Yes. Oh, yeah, because FA Cup was Man U. Yeah, it? yeah, I'm silly. But um, the League Cup or whatever lost to Spurs, I, I don't think it was that important to Arsenal because... You could you could tell it just, it just wasn't the, it, it just wasn't the same as like a North London derby in the Premier League that we won the last or the first time that we met in the season. Where's so this derby? Where is um, it? I believe it is at the Emirates. If I'm not, is it? Because if I oh no no, no just kidding. I completely lied to you. It's at Wembley. Okay. So it's gonna be at Wembley. Um, is it really home advantage? No, not really. Like Arsenal have won at Wembley three times in the oh, FA Cup. So I, I think, if anything, it's more of a, a home ground advantage for Arsenal than it is for Spurs. I don't know. Take it as you see it. I think Arsenal are going to win 3-1. We'll see. Hopefully a clean sheet. Maybe 3-0. No. I don't know. Three's for sure, though. Alexander Lacazette and Aubameyang is going to net one. And the last goal is going to come from a substitution with Mkhitaryan getting on the score sheet. I'm calling it right now. We'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll just be neutral for this game, but it should be a good game. And then the next game, we have West Ham versus Newcastle. Um, pretty big test for Newcastle. They've been picking up form. It's probably one of the biggest opponents that they've played since picking up form. Um, Almiron's first real challenge against a pretty good team. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Who? Brighton. No, who they played before? Who's Newcastle played recently? Newcastle? Shoot. I'm sorry, Burnley. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Burnley. West Ham is a big challenge, so. Well, Brinley beat Spurs, though. Here we go. Brinley beat Spurs, right? Go. All right, all right. So, so, so listen, right? Brinley beat Spurs. Newcastle beat Brinley. Therefore, Newcastle's better than Spurs. That's that's easy math, right? That's the way it works. All right, anyway. Uh, so, Newcastle versus West Ham. That's what's going to happen. Uh, but on the same day, over in Spain, in La Liga, we got another Clásico. It's gonna be Real Madrid versus Barcelona. Um, what do you what do you think is gonna be the outcome of this one? Do you think it's gonna be the same? You think it's gonna be a little closer? Real Madrid maybe gonna pull a win back, um, and get closer in like the title race, because if Barcelona wins it, it's pretty much game over for the title race. Like Real Madrid's gonna be nowhere near. If anything, the only one that's gonna be in the title race for I mean, contention. I think it'll be, be game over for Real. Do I think the La Liga, the title race is gonna be over? No. I just think it's going to eliminate Real Madrid from the title race. Really? Because I think Atletico will still have a sort of chance. But yeah, if I think Atletico is also relying on Real Madrid being Barca. So we'll see if Real Madrid comes with a different kind of attitude and finishes the chances that, that they actually get. This could be a completely different game. But I'm so, I still think Barca is going to win. The game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be closer this time. I think it's going to be 2-1. I think Vinicius or Benzema, one of the two are going to get on the score sheet. Uh, I just feel like maybe Dembele will hopefully not one. I, I don't know. I don't feel about... I don't know how I feel about Messi because Messi didn't really do that good. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't really show up to the to the Copa game. So I don't know. Maybe it depends. I don't know. Messi will get on the score sheet too. We'll just see Solari adapts to the new game plan. I don't know. He did pretty good. I mean, it's not like he had bad tactics. Just literally, they got really unlucky and they couldn't finish their chances. Yeah. That's all it was, mm-hmm. really. Should have been closer, but oh well. Unlucky. And then, um, we got Mungash back versus Bayern. This could be a tough fixture for Bayern. Bayern just needs to win every game they have now. Because eventually, they just still get to play Dortmund. So, we'll just see how this goes. Uh, If Mönchengladbach wins the game, do you think it's title race over? No. You think st- you think they're still in it even if they'd be uh six points behind? Because they still Dorman get to play Dorman. That's the that's the issue. They still get to play Dorman. So that's a good point. They could cut the lead anytime. It'd be back to three points then, and that's also considering it'd be six points if Bayern lose and Dorman win. Yeah. But Dorman could lose. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm just saying they could lose, and yeah. then it would still be like same amount of points, you know. Mm-hmm. So and then if Bayern were to win against Dorman, it'd be even points. You mm-hmm. never know. It's a pretty good Saturday for football then. And then Sunday, we just got Liverpool versus Everton. Murrayside Derby. Liverpool. 
pretty good form after beating Watford. Not good form, just after a good win. And Everton finally winning with two series and goals. So we'll see how this one goes. What, what do you think scoreline's going to be for that one? It's hard to predict now. Um, I want to say 4-1 Liverpool. 4-1 Liverpool. Maybe I'm pushing a little. Well, everything's, everything's still bad. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying like, it's a it's a Merseyside derby, you know. Like you, it's a, it's a derby. Any derby, I feel like in the world, you never know. No, I was thinking about this myself. Each side shows up when a derby matters, or not like not like just when a derby matters, because like this one's just kind of like, eh. I yeah. mean, it does matter for Liverpool, not so much for Everton, but it's still something to prove against your rivals. You know, like you always want to show up against your rivals. I mean, the turning point. I was thinking about this. The turning point for Everton this season was probably losing to Liverpool. Cause after that, they went downhill. Because I wasn't like Richarlison and all of them were like popping off like really yeah, well, that's, right? That's when Origi scored his goal. That's I feel like that was the falling point. So let's see if they keep going up from here or just go back down to earth. So we'll see. Know. We'll see. And the final game that we want to talk about is in the Serie A, a league that we don't really talk much about just because it's purely Juventus the whole time. Mm-hmm. But we are going to talk about Juve today and in this game. It's going to be Juve versus Napoli. Two sides are at the top of the table uh, for Serie A, and they face off to what looks like to be an entertaining match. Although, it will not be likely for Napoli to catch up to Juve in the title race since they are 13 points behind. Uh, this will be a good test for Napoli, as well as Juventus, and uh, uh, probably like pick up a little bit of form before the Champions League gets back on. Uh, for Juve, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think? I don't know if, if you even watch the Serie A, or like, um, just maybe like a prediction. I mean, if it's no other games, I'll probably watch it, but... Not, I don't know. Not really into leagues where the league, the lead is so high, like League On and Serie A. But yeah, like League On and Serie A right now is like the the two league leaders, PSG and Juventus, are so high up. That's just like it's more fun to watch like uh, mid table teams and like yeah. relegation teams versus mm-hmm. like a uh, team in first and second place like going against each other. We were just talking about this one just because two really exciting teams, in my opinion. I think Napoli are still pretty good. They're just yeah. unlucky. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, we we got those games. Anything else you want to talk about? No, not really. Just I appreciate everyone who listens to the podcast every time. Um, follow us on Instagram. Leave a comment. Tell us how we're doing. What we can improve on. Talk about what leagues to talk about. Any games that you want us to catch. Mm-hmm. Anything you want us to talk about in terms of segments. Follow our Instagram, Football Around the World Podcast on Instagram. Give us a follow push the notifications so you get to see every post and every story that we post so yeah uh hopefully we'll see you guys on tuesday and that's about it thanks for listening